Open your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Taking a break from the Psalm 119 this morning. But I did want to prepare something special just for today. I figure if people want to drive in on a day like this, they need to hear something from the Word of God. Amen? So Ephesians chapter 5. If you look at the first uh, sentence there, it says, Be ye, verse 1, be ye followers of God as dear children. Be ye followers of God as dear children. My message today is follow means move. Follow means move. Let's pray. Lord, help us as we look at this passage today. And Father, I pray that uh, we will uh, learn some things and that we'll be challenged from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. I did want to uh, announce that uh, Ruby Lyme's funeral will be Thursday at Chromos Funeral Home at uh, Chromos Edwards at uh, 11 o'clock. The viewing is at 10. And uh, so we hope that you'll be there for that. And then also uh, continue to pray for the family, of course. Ruby was 91. She knew the Lord. Um, but it's just always so sad when they, when they go home to be with the Lord for those here. She's not sad, but uh, we are. So pray for the family. And then um, don't forget, if you're watching online, that even though you weren't able to make it in, the bills still need to be paid. So you can give online or you can mail in your giving. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Let's start reading in verse 1. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. This is such an amazing passage of Scripture, and I want to point out a couple of things as, as we start. Notice what it says in verse 1. Follow as dear children. Follow as dear children. How many of you know, how many of you see kids at Walmart that you would not classify as dear children, right? I, this is a thought that I have often. I, I was at the mall and I saw a mom walking down the, the aisle there the, in the big opening and this, this kid didn't get the food that she wanted. And she's just screaming, I'm, not, I'm still hungry. And here's the thought that I always have. I could fix that for you, ma'am. I can fix that. What's the difference? What's the difference? You have an unruly child, and you have a dear child. That's interesting, isn't it? The difference. Now, here's the deal. That child that was going, that child was dear to her mother even while that's happening. That's fascinating, isn't it? Because, you know, for me, you know, my first degree that I worked on was secondary education, and I got to home, I got to the, the student teaching part, and, I, and this was a thought. I hate these kids. And so I changed my major, and I, I thought, there's no way. These kids are awful. I don't want to be around them. I'm not interested in them. I don't care if they all become beggars on the side of the road. I don't care if they can read. I don't care about any of them. I hate these kids. Now, how many of you glad I did not become a teacher? 
Now, honestly, that's an immature reaction to the behavior of the children, right? That's an immature understanding. Um, I remembered when we had kids, I was actually a little afraid to have children because I didn't like kids. And I was thinking, man, if I don't like kids that I'm around for a little while, what happens when they live with you? And you know what happens? The minute they get into your arms, all that changes. Every bit of it changes. Why? Because these are dear children. Your kids, eh. Of course, as an older man now with the white beard, I really do love you guys. The girls in the back, we're not sure yet, but these guys are awesome. Dear children, dear children. Listen to what what John Phillips said. I love this. The family of God is the idea of the family raised to the superlative. The world knows nothing about this kind of bond. The world has lodges and fraternities, but it cannot weld people together in families. The family is God's idea. Satan hates the family and has designed to has, and has designed and put into operation many forces that can destroy the family. Isn't that true? You see, God knits people together. Grace Baptist Church, the, whether it's some folks that have just started coming recently or people that have been here for years, there's something about the family of God. There's something that God does. And someone said years ago that we really need to love each other because you can choose your friends, but you're stuck with your relatives. And all God's people said, amen. How many of you have some family members that are, honestly, they're just a little odd? Would you raise your hands? Right? How many of you are married to them? Yeah, I knew that was coming. So it's interesting. We're all going to be in eternity together. We are a family. And once you're in the family of God, you can't get kicked out. You can't be removed. Of course, there's church discipline where you can be removed from the local church. But praise God, you can never be removed from the family of God. Isn't that a blessing? And so the idea here is that we are to walk as dear children. Now, notice what it says here in verse 1 again. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. Now, if you have a different translation of the Bible, it says uh, be imitators. Be imitators of God. And that can be an accurate translation of the Greek word if it wasn't in this context. So let me ask you a question. Do you want imitation leather or genuine leather? Do you want... Have you ever seen like fake hostess cupcakes? What do they... They taste like sawdust. They're terrible. Do you want the real thing? Or, you know, you go and you buy a box of Kleenex. You get a box of Kleenex, they work well. You get the generic stuff, and it's like wiping sandpaper on your face. The imitation or the real thing. The other thing about imitation, when you think of, does imitation give you the idea of genuine or artificial? Oh, ladies, do you want a genuine diamond or an imitation diamond? Now, I know some of you are really spiritual. It doesn't matter to me as long as it's there. It's the thought that counts. Yeah, you're weird, okay? The the value 
that your husband or your fiance placed in you says something about that in the in the the, the ring. Now look, if you guys got engaged and you guys didn't have any money and and that, that has not, that's not what I'm talking about. Okay, um, our friend Steve Baker and his wife Allie, they did tattoos before they got they they, they got married before they were saved. And they still have those, so they got the ring over their tattoo, and you know, it's. I love the guys that put their girlfriend's name on, and then they break up, and they try and find a way to change it. You know, it's just hilarious. All right. So anyway, focus, Jim. But this idea of following, it's different than imitating, because the the concept here is movement. Right? So, again, Phillips said the word, the word walk depicts progress in the Christian life because the Christian life never stands still. It is a life of movement. As Christians, we are either moving forward or sliding backward. We are becoming more like Christ or we are slipping back into our old ways. So look at the text again. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. And what's the next word? Walk. Walk. And now... In an immature way, now we all, we've all heard this illustration or done it ourselves or experienced it, but you're walking through the snow and you look around and your son is trying to, or daughter, they're trying to step into your footsteps, right? I think all kids do that. What are they doing? They're trying to imitate their parents, and we've seen that over and over again. When I was a little kid, I would stand up like I had a pulpit and imitate my father preaching. Imitate. And that's, that's a precious thing, isn't it? That's not a counterfeit. That's precious. So as new believers, what happens is new believers begin to behave like the more mature believers around them because that's what they're witnessing, and they think, oh, this is the way a, be- a believer should, should behave. And that's a good thing. Our life, Paul said in uh, 1 Corinthians 11, 1, be ye therefore followers of me as I follow Christ, or be, be followers of me as I follow Christ. That's a, that's a good thing as uh, an immature, those first steps in, in golf, the if you're taking a lesson, the, the, the instructor will show you and they'll try and get you to do what they're doing. Imitate this. But eventually, you've got to own it. Eventually, it has to be yours because what happens is if your behavior doesn't match your belief, then either way, that's wrong. So if you believe something and you don't behave like you believe it, that's bad. Right? Right? Flip side is, if you behave like you believe it, but you really don't, that might even be worse. Because the belief is what takes you to heaven, not the behavior. And so, we don't want to be imitators unless we're baby Christians. When we are older, we follow. We follow. And there's a big difference So what does it mean? Follow means move. Follow means move. Now, look at our text again. So, we have to, in order to understand verse 5, so look at what it says. I'm sorry, verse 1 of chapter 5. 
Be ye, what's the next word? So when you see therefore, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to look before it and see what, what it's there for. All right? So look at verse 32 of chapter 4. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. So we got to follow the Lord. We follow the Lord in forgiveness. We follow the Lord in forgiveness. And I, I couldn't help but think about this as I was preparing the message. Um, how are you all doing at forgiving people that voted a different way than you? How are you doing with that? Now, if you all were as spiritual as me, then you would, you know, you're just full of forgiveness about all of that. Why did I think about that? I think they call it the conviction of God. Uh, the, the, the neighbor across the street had the Biden sign. And so often I want to knock on the door. What do you think about it now? How many of you think that would be a good thing for me to do? No. Why? <laughs> Caleb, yes, do that. Um, no, no, I'm not going to do that. It's this concept of forgiveness. Man, it's tough. All the people that are working on the pipeline that have lost their jobs and so many different things that are like that, the, the borders and all these things, the abortion stuff. Folks, we, gotta, we, we still have to have our desire for justice and righteousness, but we have to forgive. And the Bible tells us how we are supposed to walk. Look at what it says in verse 2, and walk in love. And walk in love. We're not supposed to be walking in anger. We're supposed to walk in love. So we're going to follow as dear children. And then we're going to follow in forgiveness. But notice the next thing that we're going to follow in. Verse 2. And walk in love as Christ also hath loved us. What's the, what's the word after us there? What is that? What is it? And it's so weird. With, with half the people in the auditorium, the, the response is much quieter. So, real loud. What is it? And. And walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. So, we follow in forgiveness. Are you thankful that Christ forgave you? That's how we're supposed to forgive one another. As God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you, then you're supposed to forgive but we're also supposed to be willing to suffer and to sacrifice. And I got to tell you, that, that might be the hardest part of the Christian life for me. I'm not interested in suffering. Not interested. I'm supposed to be not only ready, but willing if I'm going to follow Christ. Take up your cross and follow me. Is that what Jesus told his disciples? Was it, that doesn't mean that you wear a cross. I had on a black sweater the other day and a black t-shirt, and, and Scott Huffman said, I just need a big cross. I looked like a, a priest. Well, listen, the idea of take up your cross, it's not wear a, a cross symbol. It's be ready to die. That's what he was talking about. So follow in forgiveness, follow in suffering, and then follow in testimony. I, I mentioned the passage, 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, follow me as I follow Christ. So we need to follow Christ's testimony. We need to follow the testimony of the Apostle Paul. That's what it means to follow and to be a Christian. And then, of course, we mentioned it already, that follow implies movement. Follow implies movement. Look at verse 2 again. And walk in love. Walk in love. The, this is a tough deal for me because 
man, I, I would tend to walk in anger, to walk in arrogance, uh, to walk in self-interest, to walk in ambition. Anybody with me on that? Uh, I, I might walk, so when I drive, I believe everyone else ought to get off the road. It's my road. What? Now, now listen, some of you are thinking, I would never do that. I know you have, because you've said this. What are you doing in this lane? Now, be honest, how many of you have ever thought that or said it, right? Here's what I say also. Why did you buy that car? The people in the fastest cars drive the slowest. I was in Florida a couple of weeks ago. I was in Naples. And, man, you want to see nice cars, go to Naples, Florida. And they're like 150 years old driving this car that'll go 150, and they're doing five miles. I can walk faster. It's interesting. Walk in love. Walk in love. What, you know, that passage, and, and it's the next chapter, where it says, having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. See, walking in love is walking out in the world with the desire to see people saved. Not wanting to see them die. There's a, not wanting to see them gone. That's not walking in love. Have you ever been with someone and you knew they didn't want you there? You ever been in that situation? Sometimes in school, you know, you have the cool kids, they're all together, and you walk up, you're going to be with the cool kids, and this is what you get. <sighs> well, what is our spirit? What is our attitude to the people that we meet? What if they're not dressed as nice as we think they ought to be dressed? Or what if they, they have a, a, a look that identifies them with some behaviors that we wouldn't like? How do we behave towards those people? Do we behave towards them in love? Am I walking in love or am I walking in arrogance? Am I walking in love or am I walking in judgment? Am I walking in love or am I walking in condescension? Am I walking in love? Walk in love. Boy, when Jesus Christ walked the earth, the only people that he demonstrated ill will toward were the religious leaders. Everyone else, he was kind to them. So you can't be like Christ and indulge false doctrine. Right? I esteem all thy righteous precepts concerning all things to be right, and I hate every false way. And so you love the people, and then you confront religious leadership that's hurting people. You've got to have that balance but that walking in love is vital. The reason I confront the false doctrine is because I love the people that are being hurt by the false doctrine. It's got to be that balance. Walk in love. So, walk in love. Now, I want, to, I want us to just look at a couple of things that the Bible, that this book of Ephesians tells us about walking. Look at chapter 4 and verse 1. <clears throat> I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. Now notice the ye and the you. Remember that the, that the Y words are plural, the T words, thee and thou, are singular. So this is every believer. This isn't just preachers. Well, I'm a vocational pastor. We're all supposed to be vocational Christians. And we're supposed to walk worthy of that. When people see us, they know us, they need to know that we are believers, there needs to be a difference between the way that we live and respond and the way that others live and respond. Look at verse 17. Chapter 4 and verse 17. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. 
So there's supposed to be a difference between the way we walk and the way unbelievers walk. Specifically, we walk with a purpose. We walk with a purpose. Have you ever seen somebody wandering aimlessly? And, and when it really bothers me is when they're in front of me. Right? So you're, you're at the store, you're at the mall or whatever, and you're trying to get around somebody and they're doing this. Every time you start to, I'm, I'm going to get here, the next thing that's over here. Walk with a purpose. The Bible talks about um, those that, that walk unruly. I think it's in First Thessalonians, that unruly. And that unruly, I always think about Gomer Pyle. Remember when he's having to march in line and he would always turn the wrong direction? That's what it means to walk unruly. We're supposed to walk with a purpose. Why are you living? Who, who are you? When I was in Bible college, we had a class called Christian Manhood. Christian Manhood. And uh, the, the teacher, Toby Weaver, he was just hilarious. He was so funny. So some of you guys, some of you guys, you don't have a job. You're going to get married. You think you're going to live on love for nine months, then eat the baby. I mean, this is, this is Toby Weaver. He said, I had this guy, and he was such a sissy. I said, you see that brick wall? You need to run headfirst into that brick wall. And he, he had this kid running into a wall because he was a sissy, and he would demonstrate it. He, you know, he, he, a man walks like this. It, it's so funny, and he, one of the things that he would talk about for preachers is to walk with a purpose. Now, let me just tell you something. That was a legalistic Bible college, and a lot of stuff they said had absolutely nothing to do with Christianity, spirituality. Honestly, I don't care how you walk physically. I don't care. So, as long as you're not in front of me, you know, you're, I, I, I don't care. Y'all with me on that? I, I don't care how you walk. I do care how you walk spiritually. The way that you are walking, and the walk is your life. Are you living with a purpose? Are you living with a purpose? One of the things that can be difficult if you're, you know, Luke's age, Jacob's age, my son, um, the, the college age young people, you're supposed to have, here, here's, when, you're, when you're 18, you're supposed to know what you're going to do for the rest of your life. How many of you honestly are not doing now what you thought you were going to do when you were 18? I think sometimes we put some pressure on people that's, it, it, I don't think that it's, it's really healthy. I went back to Bible college when I was 30. My mom thought I was never going to finish college. I had a man at church one time say, what are you going to do with your life? Uh, basketball? I'm so glad God finally gave finally. God gave me a purpose when I was born. I'm glad I finally found the purpose that God had for me. Because when you are in God's purpose, life is wonderful. Now, how many of you know that God's purpose for your life is more than your job? That's how, that's how we are to walk. Walk with a purpose. Let, let's go on. Of course, we could spend a lot of time on that one. Then look at, oh, this one's so good. Oh, I want to finish something here that I missed. So look at verse 17 again of chapter 4. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk, not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind. Let's not be empty-headed in our lives. 
Let, let's be thoughtful and know what's going on. Remember, vanity is nothing. These people walk with nothing in their minds. That, that's the idea of walking with a purpose. Then look at chapter 5 and verse 8. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. We hear it this way, walk in the light. There was an old gospel song, Stepping in the Light. And we have this idea of walking in the light. That's not what the verse says. It's to walk as light. What does that mean? That means you should lighten up every place that you go. Because you are living out the light of Christ. Remember, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. We have the light of the gospel in us. We walk that way. We walk not in the light, which we should, but in this text it's saying walk as light. Are you lightening the place where you are? And then look at verse 15, chapter 5 and verse 15. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Walk circumspectly. So that, that circumference, the idea of you need to know what's going on around you. Don't be foolish. No, it's foolish not to know what's going on around you in the world. It's foolish not to know that, which is why I preach political messages. I preach historical messages. I want you all to be informed, to live as informed people. And yet, we're supposed to live as informed people walking in love. How do you live as informed people in this world walking in love? How do you do that? Power of the Holy Spirit. That's the only way. That's the only way. Because the more I learn, the matter I get. You all with me on that? The more I know what they're doing, the more I hate them. That's why I've got to have the power of the... I can't believe that a preacher would say he hates people. Well, whatever. I'm just telling you, that's why I need the Holy Spirit of God. That's why I need to intentionally walk in love. That's why this text is here. We have to do it the way that we walk. Walk worthy of the vocation. Walk with a purpose. Walk as light. Walk circumspectly. Walk in wisdom, not in foolishness. Of course, walking does mean to move. And then, so chapter 5, verse 1 again, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us. Do you see that connection with verse 32 of chapter 4? Right? As Christ forgave us, as God has forgiven us for Christ's sake, now in verse 2 of chapter 5, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Follow his sacrifice. Charles Simeon said, To restore us to the divine image is one great end of all that the Lord Jesus Christ has done and suffered for us. Jesus suffered so that we could be like him. Jesus died and offered that sacrifice so that we can be like him. That's what it means to follow him. It means to be like him. Not to fake it but to actually be like him. You can't do that. The Holy Spirit of God has to do that in you as you yield to him. Now, I want you to notice something here. Again, verse 2 again. And walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath... What's it? So what are those next two words? Everyone? Given himself. Jesus was not a martyr. He was a sacrifice. You understand the difference? So, if I die for the faith, it won't be my idea. Are, are you with me? If people are dying, 
you know, somebody's shooting Christians, I'm not going to run in there and say, hey, me too. Jesus Christ came in the world to die. He offered himself. He is a sacrifice, not a martyr. That's why I hate the depictions of Christ as, as weak. You cannot tell the story of the crucifixion of Christ without the soldiers coming to the garden and, and asking him if he's Jesus of Nazareth. And he said, I am, and the whole army fell backward. Once that was done, he said, who are you looking for? All right, I'm ready. I'm ready. Why? He was the sacrifice. He's not a martyr. Very important. I'm not diminishing martyrs. Y'all get me on that? That's not what Jesus was. Who had the power to kill Jesus? No man takes my life from me. I lay it down. So, Christ's death was not a it was a sacrifice, not a martyr's death. And then the other thing that's really important, we're not going to take the time to go there. You might want to write the cross-reference down, Hebrews 10, verses 8 through 12. But God was pleased with this sacrifice. God was pleased with this sacrifice. God accepted it as he accepted Noah's and Abel's. But of course, his offering, the Bible says, spoke better things than the blood of Abel. Why? Because Abel's sacrifice was acceptable to God, but it was not satisfactory. Jesus' sacrifice satisfied. Now, I want you to notice something. Verse 1 again. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. Walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Are we supposed to imitate Christ's death? Are we supposed to have an imitation of that? There's an imitation of that that takes place every time people offer the Mass. It's a, it's a counterfeit sacrifice. Can we get an amen on that? You know, they believe that Jesus Christ's blood is offered again every time they serve the Mass. That you're actually eating the body of Christ and drinking the blood of Christ. And that sacrifice is made again every time it takes place. That's counterfeit. That's imitation. When we have the Lord's Supper, we don't imitate it. We show it. That's what the Bible says. As often as you do eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. There's a big difference between imitating and showing. Vital. Vital. We're not fake. I don't have to make or imitate a sacrifice. What do I do? I'm supposed to be like Christ and offer myself. I don't fake a sacrifice. I offer myself. I wish I had the words memorized. I need to. That, that, that sermon by Spurgeon who said he, he's like the bullock, the, the oxen, who will either pull the plow or be offered on the altar. That's what I need to be. I need to be one who's willing to serve and do the work or willing to sacrifice. What is the New Testament concept of this for the believer? If I'm going to offer myself, if I'm going to be like Christ and offer myself as a sacrifice, what does that look like? That's charity. That's what biblical charity is. Charity is not me giving my money, though it may include that. Charity is me giving myself. You know, there are all these beautiful church buildings around, those are usually given by, those are usually built by people 
who they have a lot of money, they're getting ready to die, they want to make sure they go to heaven, so they've not given themselves for their whole life. They're just going to give a bunch of money, and they're going to build a building and put that person's name on it. I think we ought to put a big sign up here, the altar auditorium. No. Mainly because I didn't pay for it. That's a, that's a good reason. But it, it's really important that we understand that the concept of giving and charity and all of that, it's just not biblical at all. Charity begins with me giving myself. And that's the pinnacle of Christian discipline. So if I'm going to follow Christ and his sacrifice, I don't do it by a fake mass. I do it by giving myself. That is what it means to follow. Dalton, you know, my friend Dalton Roberts, and his dad had all these sayings, and he was trying to get some work done, and he, he, he told his, his sons, he goes, you're as useful as a trunk full of dead men. Is that a compliment? What is it? Get up and do something. I just mentioned this to someone the other day. Years ago, I heard an old preacher say, and you guys need to get this, two men will never succeed. The man who can be told nothing. That's a fool, right? A fool is one that you can't, you can't explain anything to him, you can't correct him. Two men will never succeed. The man that can be told nothing and the man that must be told everything. How many of you work with people? You have to, my dad would say this, do I have to draw you pictures? So my dad would say. Now, again, was he happy with me when he was saying that? No. What He expected me to anticipate one of the things uh, at that meeting I was at for the founding of the Bible College, Brother Fagali's helper there in Lebanon is uh, Milad uh, Khaled, and his son David is a freshman at Pensacola this semester. This semester. And I, I, hadn't, I met him as a, as a young boy. I didn't really remember much about him, but I knew that he was going to Pensacola. I ended up sitting next to him and talking with him. And so I wanted Jacob and Amanda, they actually uh, showed him around the campus. And I've got a niece that went, and they were showing them around the campus. And Jacob asked me what he's like. And I, I told him, here's what I noticed about David. So they were having video uh, presentations, and things were being moved around. David was watching, and if he saw something that needed to be done, he jumped up and cared for it. He, he wasn't waiting for his dad to tell him what to do. I was so impressed with that. He wasn't oblivious. He, he wasn't walking in the vanity of his mind. He was, he was ready to serve. And he, he, it's like he was sitting on the edge of a seat. They need something. I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get this. Ready to serve. Man, how many of you wish the people that you worked with had that attitude? Right? How many of you wish that the person sitting next to you here at Grace Baptist Church had that attitude? Man, listen, I wish I had that attitude. Have you ever had that? Somebody else will take care of it. Somebody, somebody will get it. Now, I need to be the one to jump in there and say, hey, I need to be the one that's willing to tell someone else to do it. No, wait a minute. That, I don't think that's the way that that works. Follow. Follow means move. We need some activity. In the Christian life, you can study all you want. At some point, you've got to put that study into practice. Right? There are other people that are willing to do, but they're not willing to study. And it's all part of the Christian life. We've got to make sure that we put it all together. Follow means move. Don't be an imitator. Be the real thing. 
follow. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you so much for your word and the opportunity to preach it and study it. Thank you for video. People can watch this at home. Thank you for those who've made their way in. But most of all, Lord, thank you for being that sacrifice.